0: sister co-host elizabeth
1: connor and i'm your brother co-host thomas dempsey
0: so thomas what have you not been reading since the last time we talked? what have
1: i not been reading well there's been plenty to not read uh (laughs) i picked up the latest do you know what dark souls is does anybody in your circle sort of know what that pertains to
0: nope
1: okay well The Dark Souls, it's not so much a franchise as... It's more like a genre of game at this point, where... Sort of a western-style RPG. A dude in a suit of armor traveling around a blighted landscape fighting monsters. And... That sort of game has gone on to inform like a lot of other kind of action games that have come out over the years. And... Um, recently, the company that makes Dark Souls called FromSoft
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: released their latest game called Elden Ring. I believe it was co-produced or co-conceived with uh, George R.R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. the writer of Lord of the Rings. I guess he did some like story or concept work on the game. Okay, but basically, you're a you're this sort of semi-zombified knight called a tarnished Mm -hmm. so like you're brought back to life in this uh sort of magical realm of like knights and monsters and such and you're basically just fighting your way across the land to try and become to like fight other contenders to the throne okay and I only got about two hours in when I started last night because it just premiered uh, the day before we're recording this. But it's mm-hmm. basically the new hotness as far as games are concerned. I'm, in, I'm It's very interesting. It's sort of mechanically dense mm-hmm. more than what I'm used to. Like in the broad strokes, it's kind of like that game uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild where you're just w- roaming across the land doing what there is to be done. But Whereas in that game where it's very intuitive where you can like uh, attack things uh, you can climb things you can do, it's very one to one in terms of what you want to do mm-hmm. here the systems for like fighting and interacting and utilizing items and such are a lot more nuanced okay. so there's a bit of a barrier to entry to that uh, in terms of just like learning the ins and outs and how to go about it I really only started to get the hang of it after about two hours but uh, from my understanding of like a lot of these sorts of games Mm -hmm. once you get over that initial uh barrier and sort of get into the game's rhythm then they can be really engaging so i'm looking forward to getting more into that as the in the weeks to come but uh yeah that's the big thing on my plate at the moment
0: okay how about yourself um i don't know things have been kind of slow over here uh, oh, yeah, in terms of like just exciting things happening, I mean, we did get like a nice break for President's Day weekend.
1: That's always good. Um,
0: my school district is is on a is on a schedule called a modified year round schedule. Yeah. So we start earlier than like a traditional school schedule and we still get out on this at the same time. We just have more breaks incorporated into the school year. yeah, so like this past weekend, Like, Friday was a teacher work day, so the kids didn't come to school. Not, yes, not the day before we're recording this, but, like, the Friday before President's Day. Um, Sure. That was a teacher day, or that was a teacher work day, so the kids didn't come. And then you have the weekend, and then we were out of school until, like, through Wednesday. Okay. So, like, I only had a two-day work week this week.
1: Oh, well, that's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I only had to go to work Thursday and Friday, Uh, so that was like like that was a nice break. Like I got you know I got some I got some rest. I felt refreshed when I got back to work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I've kind of I've kind of joined a new side of TikTok. That's been pretty interesting.
1: What's been going on there?
0: Oh, um, you know, it's just you know how you get onto like these different sides of TikTok. Yes. Uh so anyway, I've now found I have now like found my myself over to like the fashion side of TikTok and um anyway, this girl who I started following like she post like she posts a uh, let's get dressed like six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um and like literally it's it's a 1 minute tic- like every day it's just like a 1 minute TikTok about her picking the items and like kind of teaching you you know how to style an outfit because she talks about like the the materials and like the patterns and then you know why she picks uh certain accessories to go with the outfit and stuff like that and it's it's very very interesting how much thought people put into their clothes because for my day-to-day life like I kind of have a uniform and that's just what I wear every day it's like leggings and a comfortable shirt and that's it
1: Sure, and I have a uniform I have to wear for work, so a lot of the guesswork's taken out of that as well.
0: Right, but I also feel like kind of stuck because, like, I feel like my sense of style or like what I choose to wear is still very much stuck stuck in like the the Lularoe time. Yes. Of like leggings and a dress. Okay. And part of me is like. Like, I kind of want to break away from this. Like, I kind of don't want to dress like this anymore. But at the same time, I'm like, this is really comfortable. Sure. So it's like, do you want to dress for comfort? Or do you want to dress to look good?
1: Yeah, I get that. Do you think, uh, in terms of looking for clothes, that uh, not getting out to stores uh, in recent years as much has been sort of a barrier to that?
0: Um... It could be. Yeah, it could be. Um, I also think, like, kind of the lack of having anywhere to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in terms of, like, constructing your wardrobe, it's like you've got your, you know, you've got your clothes that you wear to work. You've got your clothes that you wear to hang out with. You've got, like, fancy clothes that you wear to go to certain events. And in the past, you know, two years... You haven't really had a whole lot of events to go to.
1: This Has this got you trying anything new or just sort of thinking about it?
0: Um, I guess, well, I guess a little bit of both. So like, um, you know, like Shein. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of like uh, Shein, the website or the app? No. Okay, well Shein is kind of like a fast fashion like app or, or website that people can buy clothes from and like they're really... Like, they're very moderately priced clothes. You could even dare say cheap clothes. Um, Mm -hmm. I've purchased from them in the past. And so, anyway, I've kind of just been, like, exploring their app more. And, like, I know it's, like, quote-unquote fast fashion, which is, like, not environmentally friendly. But Mm. I've kind of been trying to, like, look on the app for more universal pieces. Like, black pants are never going to be out of style. Right. You know, Denim jackets are never going to be out of style. Okay. So I've kind of been like trying to find a balance between, I guess, putting together a capsule wardrobe, which is where you have like good standard pieces, and also trying to make it cost efficient.
1: <laughs> That's important. Yeah. You about ready to start books?
0: Yeah, let's talk books.
1: Okay. I've got one other book uh, to talk about beyond the challenge today, so I can go ahead and knock that out if you'd like. Okay. All right. Now, I have started reading a couple of other books. It's just sort of taken me longer to get through them. Uh, And on top of everything else, whereas this one I finished for this week was uh, pretty compact, and I was able to knock it out in like three settings. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a technically speaking a collection of short stories by the hungarian author oh goodness sakes i'm gonna butcher this all right the hungarian author uh laszlo krasna mm-hmm. i want to say or, hope but uh, he's written several larger books that have caught my eye and then uh when i was at mr uh, second and charles not second and charles Mr. K's, the bookstore in Greenville the other day, I found uh, several of his books uh, in pretty good condition used. Mm-hmm. And one of them was this short uh, collection called The Last Wolf slash Herman. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just a small, like, 130-page book of about three stories. Uh, one of them is called The Last Wolf. It's basically about a, a, a Hungarian... Um, like journalist or academic who's sort of in a hole of like alcoholism and depression who then gets called off to the countryside to write about this uh, sort of isolated town and uh, comes to learn about the history of its wolf population Mm -hmm. and it's more of a tone piece or an experimental piece, because the whole thing is like seventy pages long, and it's all written out in a single sentence. Okay. So each new like idea, or uh, or clause is sort of joined together by like a bunch of commas and semicolons. Mm-hmm. But it was still pretty interesting, and uh, then the other stories uh, labeled under the header of Herman there are these two interconnected short stories that deal with a, a game warden named Herman who is sent out by a village into the woods to deal with, like, invasive species for which he sets, like, traps and uh, whatnot to catch, like, wolves and such. Mm-hmm. And then it's about his sort of, like, crisis of conscience with killing these animals and about how he starts setting traps around the village to, like like catch people and then uh, that's one story and then the other story is told from an outside perspective of some uh, soldiers who are traveling through the village around this time and are sort of following the uh, story of Herman by way of like local gossip Mm -hmm. and so it's all very sort of elliptical and vague and sort of like in keeping with like themes of naturalism and uh, just sort of like humans' relationship to their environment, mm-hmm. so I enjoyed reading it. Uh, I'm not sure how well I'd recommend it. Like I said, it's a pretty brisk read at that, um, so I certainly wouldn't like warn people off it. There's nothing too like graphic or upsetting, unless you've got like a sensitivity to animals being hurt but uh yeah I thought that I thought it was pretty good
0: okay yeah so one, of, m- one of my like universal trigger warnings is like uh I don't do well with um with with like animal torture and uh
1: well it's nothing it's not ex- extensively or explicit or anything it's just sort of like the broad strokes of like like animals being hunted and captured
0: okay Okay, so um, I read ten books,
1: alright back in the swing of things
0: yeah and and i and I updated my goodreads uh yesterday, yeah, and i've re- well, I guess now uh I've read forty three books this year, cool, like yeah, like five and so books part, a part week. of me was like proud of that, and then part of me is just like, oh god <laughs>
1: getting on another series or
0: yeah actually i i completed two series okay but they're like like their sister series so like one series leads into the next series
1: so same author then
0: yeah same author same universe uh some sometimes like the same characters um mm. just two i guess two different uh tribes of people or two different planets of people Sure. But anyway, so the first series that I read um was The House of Ki- of Kaimar, The House of Chimar series uh by Miranda Bridges. And right. um and it is about uh the a, a group a, sorry, a group of people called uh, the Dravians. Yeah. And the Dravians have an issue where they are facing extinction because Um, they're the women who are, you know, native to their planet, which is called Najari, Najari. Um, because their women, uh, are, are infertile and are becoming increasingly infertile. So the, the, the Dravian race is dying out. And, um, so the book opens with like these two girls who they're college, like they're graduate students. They're on campus And they are, like, one of them notices that there's these, like, ridiculously good-looking men on campus, but, like, they're strange. And she's like, I feel like they follow us everywhere. Like, I see them everywhere we go. Um, They're just very, very strange men. And anyway, of course, these two women end up getting abducted. Ah. Uh, And so what has happened is the Dravian people have abducted about 15, like, I think it's like 15 women. Okay. And they are conducting experiments, or they're quote-unquote conducting an experiment to see if uh, the Dravians can reproduce with the human women. Because yeah. the the doctor that they have on the ship, he's kind of like, well... Genetically speaking, like, we are very similar, and we require the same needs, like, in terms of oxygen and in terms of food and stuff, so I don't see why we couldn't, but we're not really going to know unless we, you know, do some experiments, so... So, anyway, um, kind of what it is, is it's like, each woman has been paired up with, uh, with one of the, the men on board in the first book, um... I can't remember the girl's name, but the guy's name is like Varic or Vazek or something like that. I don't know. It begins with a V. And he's the captain yeah. of like the military for the Dravian people. Um, yeah. And he's like a cousin of the prince or, you know, he's related to the royal family. Sure. So the first book is about, is, you know, of course, laying out the groundwork for how this universe works, um, but also... Like, their love story in terms of these, you know, this alien man and this human woman uh, coming together. And, like, of course, you know, there is a happily ever after with all of these books. Um, But I'm not going to lie. Like, the way that it comes about, especially in this first book, like, is a little cringy. Because it's like... Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, um, I'm so glad that this worked out for everybody, but you still kidnap these women.
1: Yeah. Is that like a common trope with these sort of stories?
0: Um, not really. Like, well, I I guess for the series, for these two series, then yes. But, uh, for like the alien, like the last alien one that I read back in January with like, you know, that was like 20 books long.
1: Ice Giants, yeah.
0: Yeah, the Ice Giant or the Ice Barbarians. Um, that was one where the women were like just kind of dumped on that planet because they were cargo Uh, for somebody else. Okay. And they, so they were dumped on that planet and then it was like, okay, well you're never going to leave this planet. So you have to like undergo getting this parasite and then you're probably going to meet like the person you're the most genetically compatible with. So that was just Mm. a situation of like, you know, being between a rock and a hard place and just trying to figure out, you know, which, which course of action is going to help me survive. And then it ends right. up working out well for everybody. Okay. Uh, but this one, like, yeah, the, the beginnings are very cringy. So, also, I am not, like, a big crier when it comes to books. Yes. And when I got to book four of the House of Kymar series, which is called Legislator's yeah. Lover, there is, like, a lot okay. of political turmoil happening in that book. And I was, like, boo-hooing for, like, the last quarter of the book. I mean, everything still turns out all right, but, like, there were just, like, the emotional anguish that, and I remember Mm. that girl's name, her name was Natalie, um, the -hmm. emotional turmoil that Natalie went through in the last part of the book was heart-wrenching.
1: Oh. And, uh, she's the main character through that whole first series.
0: No no. Natalie's just the main character for the first book for the fourth book.
1: Okay, um, so it's like a Bridgerton thing.
0: Yeah, I can't remember who the main character is for the first book. I can't remember okay. what her name is. Lexi? Right. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Um so there's that. And then the second series is like continues on from the House of Chimar, except this one's called The Hearts of Stone. Series and it is also by Miranda Bridges, Um, and this one is about the Borak who live on a planet. I think it's called Solrim, and the what? The (laughs) Borak. I know, like from Space Ghost.
1: No, I was thinking Borat.
0: Oh, not Borat, Borak. B O R A Q. Right. Um, and. So the Borak and the Dravians are allies and the Boraks help the Dravians out in the first book with the agreement that the Borak will be paid in human women.
1: Woof. That's rough.
0: Yeah, because, oh yeah, by the way, in the, because in the first book, after, you know, they abducted the initial like 15 women, they decided that that wasn't enough. So they went back and they abducted like another 20. Yeah. You know, just to increase okay. the cringe factor. So Oh yeah. In in this series, The Hearts of Stone series, the Borak people have uh, received their payment of these human mm. women. And the first book is about um the main character's name is Michaela and she ends up with the king of this particular tribe of Borak people and he is called the mass but like his name is uh. really but like his name is really Jaxar or something sure. um and it's just about anyway it's, and again the Borak uh their women are not they don't suffer an infertility problem um humans had come to that planet like i don't know some years beforehand and the humans brought yeah. some kind of disease with them that kind of wiped out the female and child population of the planet. Yeah. So they require so they need human women to help them keep from becoming extinct. And the difference between the Borac and the Dravians is that the Borac uh live very um they they don't live with technology. They live very huh. simply. Um They have no technology. They, like, live in animal hide houses and stuff like that. Uh, They also have wings. Yes. And the way that the men know that they are with the right woman is, upon sleeping with her for the first time, if they undergo something called the shattering, that means that they have found their soulmate. Yeah. And what is the shattering, you might ask? Well, I'll tell you. The Borak males... When they are born, their hearts are encapsulated in stone. Ah. And upon sleeping with the right person, the stone shatters.
1: Uh, Okay.
0: Because if the Borac males do not find their soulmates, like, in time, then basically, like, the stone overtakes, like, the actual musculature of the heart and they'll die.
1: I, I mean, well, yeah, obviously.
0: Yeah. So in The Hearts of Stone series, um again there's like a lot of political stuff going on. Uh d- between the two series, I actually like The Hearts of Stone series a lot better. Sure. Um I felt like they dealt with some kind of delicate issues a little bit. I felt like they dealt like dealt with more delicate issues and I felt like Miranda Bridges dealt with them very well. Um Okay. So, yeah, so that's what I have been
1: reading. All Well, I think that's a good time for a break. When we get back, we'll start in on this week's reading challenge.
0: Yep, let's do it.
1: Welcome to Your Words Against Mine. Uh, we're coming back from our break and fixing to start off this week's reading challenge. Uh, Elizabeth, this was your assignment mm-hmm. uh, for this week. We were both uh, scheduled to read Har- Colson Whitehead's Harlem Shuffle. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that was correct.
1: All right. And uh, I can say that I read this book for this week. And I believe you can say the same?
0: Yep, I sure can.
1: Uh, all righty. Now, this was a book you'd picked up at a sale uh, late last year.
0: Yeah, I picked this up at the Barnes & Noble's um, Buy One, Get One Free hardcover sale.
1: Yeah. had you ever read anything by Colson Whitehead before?
0: This was my first Colson Whitehead. Um, I believe you gifted me Underground Railroad, and I have not read it yet. Uh, but this was the first time I'd read Colson Whitehead.
1: Right. I, uh, hmm. I think I gifted you Lovecraft Country, because I've got, uh, the Underground Railroad.
0: Maybe I purchased Underground Railroad.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that. But, uh... Yeah, so, uh, well, before we get in, uh, how'd you like it?
0: I loved this book so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. I wasn't sure going in, like, uh, I don't actually read that many, uh, crime novels. And this is sort of, like, in the crime genre of fiction. So, uh, usually it's more framed in terms of, like, a mystery or some other high concept. So like it just sort of being like a straightforward tale of guys getting into trouble and having to work out work their way out of it uh was a nice change of pace
0: yeah um i got to say i really enjoyed uh so the main character's name is uh Ray Carney i guess i just really loved carney's um would you would you call his would you call his development as a character would you call it growth or would you just call it uh
1: Ah, uh, he's so he does develop. Um, it's more just sort of coming, <laughs> him coming into his own. Yeah, I would want to say,
0: like I because feel,
1: a lot of his, yeah.
0: I feel like a, I feel like the way he was written was actually like it's a very natural way of maturing. Sure, it's not like he's necessarily a different person at the end of the book than he was at the beginning.
1: Yeah, he's just sort of more capable and more self-assured. Exactly. Right. So, I guess we should talk a bit about the plot. Uh, even though it's sort of a... More of a, a diffuse sort of piece. It takes place over, like, several years with, like, different story threads sort of loosely ple- like spooling out from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because But it, uh, do you want to give a bit of a synopsis with that?
0: Yeah, so, um... So the book itself takes place from over a five-year period, from 1959 to 1964, and like I said earlier, the main character, his name is uh, Raymond Carney, and they refer to him most of the time as Carney uh, throughout the book. Yeah. And um, is it, let's see here, I've got it right here in front of me, is it the first, because it's broken up, like yes, it's uh broken up into parts, but then each part is broken up into chapters, so. Yeah. Like, the, like, at the beginning, with the first part, which is titled The Truck, I feel like the opening sentence on that page uh, it describes him very, very well. It is, Carney was only slightly bent when it came to being crooked. Right. And, like, uh, when I was talking to Brian about this book, because I told him I thought he would like it, I said, so basically the main character is, you know, he's too straight to be crooked, but he's too bent to be straight. And then And then, basically, the rest of the book is just about... You know, things that he... Things that he finds himself in. Situations that he finds himself in. Sometimes he chooses to be in them, and sometimes he doesn't. I don't really know what else to say without giving it away.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, just sort of, like, the misadventures of this guy, like, making his way through the developing city of Harlem through this period of time. And, uh, there's sort of, uh like ups and downs as far as like the social situation is concerned the final story in the book uh the whole thing plays out like a loose trilogy of novellas i mm-hmm. would I, I would say and the third book in this uh the third story in this book takes place around a um, civil rights protest that breaks out after uh the murder of a young man by the cops mm-hmm. and then like before that there are stories of like Uh, like social and uh, business groups sort of working together and like their position within and at odds with the community. And it's just the one thing that I really like about the way these stories are written is that uh, you get a lot of different angles about this uh, specific place and time, like a lot of different characters and their own sort of histories and Positions in the environment. So it's like a very well fleshed out place. Yeah. And uh, there were some points where I was, I guess, getting a little anxious because I know some stories can like hone in on one aspect of a setting or a character and then to the the detriment of developing other aspects further. Mm -hmm. And that can be sort of a turnoff for me in terms of like sustaining the flow of reading a book. Mm -hmm. but I feel like this book does a really good job of like establishing establishing like places like efficiently enough to the, the point where you don't have to wait too long to start seeing events and characters bouncing off each other.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Whitehead does a really good job of just in his general descriptions of what's going on and like what the character sees and what the character hears. Um, I feel like he does, he's able to just pack so much into like one or two sentences in those descriptions that very much like flesh out what is going on in, you know, in New York, in this day and age. Um, like the one that I'm thinking of is uh, uh, it's in the first part where uh, Carney right. has to dispose of something. Right. And, and Carney talk or Carney I guess it or it is described that Carney hears or Carney sees like an unconventional couple for this time performing a, a sexual act. Yeah. And I just I don't know, like that that description like just stuck with me cuz I was like, "Oh, I feel like that's very telling for what was kind of going on in this area and like what people who were kind of in uh, Carney's situation may or may not come across as they're just trying to go on about their business. Sure. And I felt like Whitehead did that really consistently throughout the book.
1: Yeah. You're getting a lot of like strong environmental storytelling, like in the margins.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I get that. And, uh, I feel like there's, um, like a, a good, uh, it's like he's sort of a gen. You do get like a bit of a generosity of perspective when it comes to certain side characters. Mm-hmm. Like the whole book is told more or less through uh, Carney's perspective. But then I think at some point midway through the first story, you're introduced to this character named Pepper, mm-hmm. who's like maybe 10 or 20 years older than Carney. Uh, you're you're in- told that he's like an, ac- an associate of Carney's dad. So you're not yeah. totally sure how old or young the guy is, but um, you're sort of given this character's backstory and it's almost like introducing a secondary main character because mm-hmm. of how like much depth has gone into with this guy. Yep. But then he just sort of is this presence that hovers around the margins of some stories and comes in and leaves others. Mm-hmm. And he's very much like a dynamic force and a proactive force in these stories. So it's you get the sense why it's important to, for him to be introduced and given as much uh, autonomy in that sense mm-hmm. uh, where the net perspectives are concerned. But then you'll also have like a lot of other side characters who are brought in and play their part and help like realize the world and Carney's connections in it. Mm hmm. Yeah, so that was that's always uh fun for me when I'm reading a book and you get that like dynamic perspectives with it. I think makes it a lot more engaging.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is definitely uh this book definitely makes me want to explore the rest of Whitehead's work.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause, uh I think before this was um I forget what book was before this, but I think it had to do with like a a kind of boarding school um, or when I, institution when
0: I, was, when I was kind of looking up uh, when I was kind of looking up you know information about this book and about uh, Colson Whitehead it said that this was a follow up Not maybe not necessarily a follow up but I, I don't know what else to call it so I'm going to say follow up to the Nickel Boys yes which uh, Whitehead won his second Pulitzer for
1: okay And, of course, the first one was for uh, Underground Railroad. Yeah. And I know Underground Railroad is kind of a magical realist story. Right. So one thing that uh, surprised me with Harlem Shuffle was how much more grounded it was.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Like, this could absolutely be just, like, a work... I mean, this is essentially a work of historical fiction. But, uh, like, there's nothing, like, implausible or anything about, like, anything that happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Right. I, um, you know, when I purchased this book, the reason why I purchased this book was because I was like, I've heard from many reputable sources that Colson Whitehead is just amazing. Like he's an amazing author. And so in my head, I was like, if you purchase, because to me, I consider purchasing books to be an investment. Okay, sure. Um, I guess just because of like my habit of like, reading books off off of my phone, um, right. You know, or, or getting books out from the library. Like I'm not going to purchase a book if I can get it either for free or for like, or like included in a subscription service. Um, so if I'm going to purchase a book, it's going to be because I either have a lot of respect for the author or just because like I was so in love with the story that like, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And sure. I've always thought, or like I, because I've heard of Coles, how wonderful Colson Whitehead is I was just always like basically if you person if you purchase a Colson Whitehead book you're not gonna go wrong you're not gonna be sorry about it and this proved me right
1: yeah and uh, I I checked my copy out from the library but I uh, I'm on the same uh, page as you uh, I feel like um yeah that sort of consistency is. Really important to uh, like an author, mm-hmm. and uh, like allowing them to like have the support they need to develop their voice and uh, make their way through this sort of like really competitive industry. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be checking out more of his work. That book I was thinking about, uh, I think was an earlier one by him called The Institutionist. I'm not totally sure about what the uh, plot for that one was, but I Actually, think that was, that was his, his first book. His first book, okay, because I know that one was getting a large push. I think in the wake of Underground Railroad or the Nickel Boys one, mm-hmm. you'd see it like out on displays. Yeah, so, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the Institutionist was his very. was like his first published book.
1: Okay, yeah. So that that's one I'd be interested in checking out as well. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I think this was a good talk. We both really liked uh, the Harlem Shuffle. and
0: uh, 10 out of 10. Yeah, would recommend.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, we'll go ahead now with uh, Word Totals. Okay. Uh, like I said, I just read a couple books this week. And uh, puts myself presently at, uh, goodness sakes, flipping through this... Uh, Logbook I'm keeping. Uh, here we go. So I've read two books. Once again, that was The Last Wolf slash Herman by Laszlo Krasnarski, I believe. I'm sure I'm. Yeah, again. Pardon the pronunciation. And uh, Har- Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead, which brings my word total up from uh, 893,172 to 1 million. Twenty-five thousand one hundred and fifty-four. Yep. And for, uh, I guess, go ahead and give some uh, reference to that uh, compared to my uh, reading total for last year. That puts my uh, present that puts me at about point two three percent of my reading total last year.
0: Like from this point last year.
1: Yeah. Okay and I'm like about like 20,000 or 200,000 words ahead of where I was last year it's funny I wound up finishing this book on the same day that I wound up finishing Revolutionary Suicide last year Mm -hmm. which was one of my favorite books and I'm presently about maybe it's closer to like one and a half thousand or one and a half one hundred and 50,000 words ahead mm-hmm. so I think uh whereas last year I was reading a lot more shorter books this year I'm reading more or fewer longer books and getting a like a higher return uh, word total wise okay so that that might be something I'll be uh sticking to just to sort of help with my uh progress through the year and my like goals with this challenge okay but where are you standing
0: um well before i tell you uh so in terms of your end of the year total from last year what's your what what percentage are you sitting yeah. at
1: i was saying i'm 23% of the way oh, 23%.
0: through 23% okay yeah. so for some reason i thought you said 0.2% and i was like what
1: I, I was saying like i was like 0.23 uh that's i did by how i did the calculations that was like 0.23 of the way through so okay. it's just I was just looking at the raw numbers rather than, like, extrapolating out what that, like, meant.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right, so now it's my turn. So I have, including Harlem Shuffle, I've read 11 books, uh, since our last episode. Um, so my subtotal, I guess, for this two-week part, or this two-week interim is, uh, 525,330 words, um, which brings my total for the year up to two million two hundred forty two thousand three hundred and fifty seven words. And I'm currently Wowza. at and I'm currently at twenty two percent.
1: Hey, compared
0: to my end of the year total from last year.
1: All right. So that's uh I think yeah, it's still I mean, you've definitely blowing me out of the water word total wise again, but I don't think that was gonna be a surprise. Uh, I do I do like this, uh like, more, like, dynamic focus on uh statistics. Yeah. I think it just, like, makes it more interesting, even, like, beyond the pure competitive aspect of this endeavor, just to see how each of us is doing, like, relative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's definitely, that's definitely pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I like it, too.
1: So, uh, now we've got another reading challenge to talk about. Yep. Uh, do you know what uh, we're going to be reading, and what we're going to be discussing a month from now?
0: Okay, um, I, I've got two choices. So, before I, t- before I say anything, i got to ask you a question. Shoot. For our next reading challenge that I give, would you rather read a novel or a short story collection?
1: You know, I have a lot of short story collections I've been meaning to catch up on, and this might be a good way to uh, like, push me towards that. Okay. So, let's go with the short story collection.
0: Alrighty. So, that has cemented what we're going to do. Now, Now, for the explanation. So, as we all know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Yes. And... I know what side of the issue I lay on. I think I know what side of the issue you lay on. And anyway, without getting into the politics of it too much, um, I decided to I decided to help support a a, a Ukrainian author. Yeah. So um, I picked a Ukrainian, a current Ukrainian author. Like she is still writing. She is still publishing. Um, I look, when I looked her up, or when I was doing some research about her. Uh, I believe she is the only living Ukrainian author who is able to live off of her writing like full time. Wow. I could be wrong. I f- I forget what source I read that from, but I did read that. Um, okay. So anyway, what we will be reading uh, in support of the Ukraine uh, is uh,
1: it, it's actually just Ukraine
0: instead of the Ukraine. Uh,
1: Yeah, I believe the Ukraine was, the way I heard it explained is that, like, certain uh, propaganda arms preferred the use of the, like, uh, definite article to, like, nebulize the nature of the country. Okay. So just calling it Ukraine is, like, a much more affirming sort of, uh, like, take on the national sovereignty. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for correcting me. I will try to do better. Um, All right. I'll make every effort. So, in support of a Ukrainian author, um, we are going to be reading a short story collection by Oksana Zabuzko.
1: Okay. And it's what's actually what's the book called?
0: And well, the short story collection is called "Your Ad Could Go Here." Okay. And it was published in 2018. So, like I said, it's it's her more recent release. Um. Oh, initially yeah. like the book that she's kind of the most famous for was her was the book was her first book published which was um field work in ukrainian sex
1: oh yeah that uh that sounds familiar
0: yeah and it was it was published in like 96 okay so like if you had said novel we would be reading that okay but you didn't, so we're gonna oh. be reading your ad could go here.
1: Right, all right. I've got it pulled up here. Yeah, it's like a picture of a red fist. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well I'll look forward to it. Alrighty. so that's our reading assignment. That's all I mean, I guess that's a aspect of this show that we can encourage is that our listeners like pick up these books and read along with us. Yep. Uh, if you want to be up to date on uh, the next episode's reading challenge, we had a Master and Commander by uh, uh, Patrick O'Brien. And uh, just to give you a heads up, I don't know if you started in on that. I uh, misremembered how long this book is. Uh huh. I think you're looking at a good 430 pages.
0: Heard. Okay.
1: So if you haven't gotten in on it yet, uh, maybe not don't wait until the last minute okay yeah but uh (laughs) that's what we'll be reading for the next episode
0: okay honestly
1: i didn't i didn't think it was that long when i picked it out i like the idea here is not to like shoulder you with like these big hefty tomes
0: that is okay though uh, yeah and i'm gonna go ahead it's really
1: just yeah
0: I was just going to say, I'm going to go ahead and apologize when you're editing this. Uh, if you hear purring at one point, um, a stare just rubbed up against the microphone. So.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I, had, I didn't notice anything. Uh, my cats have been pretty chill. Feisty's sleeping down by my ankles, and Sammy's still up by the window. Yep, we've yep. been uh, yep, recording with our little you know, cat texts. But uh, yeah, that's where we're going now. And so if uh, you want to tell people where they can find us.
0: Yeah, so you can find us. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Literally Club, TikTok, um, at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can shoot us an email or a recommendation or a question uh, to, at your words, or to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com
1: yeah and i'll give a sort of a call to action my understanding is that's sort of the thing you're supposed to be doing uh if you're finding this podcast on any sort of service where you follow us or subscribe to us if you could just leave us a rating or review uh, i think that would help us reach more listeners uh february i think has actually been kind of a slow month for us uh metric wise so yeah if you could just help us out there uh I don't know how many, like, persistent listeners we get versus just, like, people checking in. But, obviously, we want to get out to as many people as will have us. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, we thank you for joining us today, Elizabeth. As always, it's been great talking to you.
0: It's been good talking to you, too.
1: Look forward to hearing you a couple weeks from now. Oh, yeah. And until that time comes, uh, y'all just take care. And, as always... Goodbye. Goodbye.